Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. We have a great show for you today. We have Kevin Ellis on the show to talk about osteopenia and osteoporosis and the top 10 tips to help reverse these very common health issues. And they're common in men as well. So we talk about the prevalence of these health issues and the common causes of health issue, of these health issues, the, uh, the best diet and supplements you can take for you know reversing these health issues. Um, we talk about Kevin's plan for stronger bones. We talk about the role of exercise and what exercise you need to do and what exercise is not so effective to build stronger bones. We talk about the side effects and the problems with conventional medications like Fosamax and other medications that are used to build bones and why they can actually cause you know as many problems as they solve perhaps. And we talk about PEMF therapy and and uh, the, the vibrational plates and the roles those can play in building stronger bones. And just really everything you need to know about building stronger bones. It's so important for women as we're aging and we have a reduction in estrogen that uh, contributes to bone loss. But men also have a big problem, uh, can with bone loss as well if they have gut issues or joint pain or autoimmune diseases and other health issues. And we'll talk about what those health issues are and then what you can do to build your bones. So, and I know you guys listening to this show are concerned about your heavy metal load. You're concerned about, uh, you know, how, how toxins are affecting your health. So I created a totally free heavy metals quiz. You can check it out at heavymetalsquiz.com. And after you take the quiz and get your results, uh, you'll get a free video series that talks about all the, like your frequently asked questions about detoxification. So go check it out. It takes just a couple seconds. It's totally worth your time at heavymetalsquiz.com. And I'm also super excited. I created a new program called the Emotional Detox Program. And so I have spent years and years researching this course and spent the last year writing it and recording it. And I'm so proud of it because for me and working with thousands of patients, there was, for many of them, uh, they weren't getting better just doing, you know, working towards physical solutions. They weren't, uh, that there were just something missing by just addressing diet and supplements and detox and other protocols that people do. And so in, in my own personal health journey as well, I felt like my emotional state or traumas that I dealt with in the past, so we all, everyone has trauma. I felt like it was, it was holding me back in some way mentally and physically. And so I just poured into the research and I founded uh, or created the Emotional Detox Program. So you can learn more about it at emo-detox.com and I have a free masterclass uh, at that link that you can take that's it's really fascinating take a minute of your time and watch this free masterclass go to emo-detox.com e-m-o-d-e-t-o-x.com so our guest today, Kevin Ellis, uh, he is better known as the Bone Coach, and he's a Forbes-featured certified integrative nutrition health coach, podcaster, YouTuber, bone health advocate, and is the founder of BoneCoach.com. After an osteoporosis diagnosis in his early 30s, he realized just how challenging it can be for the average person to make sense of what needs to be done to improve their bones and how to confidently move forward with a stronger bones plan. So today, not only has he transformed his own health and made continued progress in his own journey, he has now dedicated his life to helping women you know, and men with osteopenia and osteoporosis gain clarity and confidence that improving is possible. So through a unique three-step process and world-class coaching program, Kevin and his team of credentialed experts have helped people in over 1,500 plus cities around the world get confident in their Stronger Bones plan. And his mission is to help uh, over one plus million people around the globe build stronger bones and also to help uh, you know our children and our grandchildren have the education, resources, and nourishment needed to prevent osteoporosis and other disease, diseases in the future so they can lead long, active lives. So you can learn more about Kevin and his work at bonecoach.com. Kevin, thanks so much for joining the show. Wendy, thanks so much for having me here. It's great to be here. 
Yeah, so we're going to talk about bones on the show today. So you're the bone coach. So tell us how you, how you got started on your journey and, and starting your website and getting involved in, in helping people with their bones. Yeah, because usually it's not the average you know, male that's younger, that's talking about bone health and osteoporosis. And usually when you think about bone health and osteopenia and osteoporosis, you're thinking about a woman later in life, maybe your grandmother, uh, maybe she had a dowager's hump or a cane, or she's hunched over something like that. That's what you typically associate with that. So not a young male. So for me, my journey really started, uh, I would say a long time ago with, uh, when my mother was five months pregnant with me, my father, he was told he had cancer. And two months after I was born, he passed away. And he was 35 years old at that point in time. Uh, He was a Marine in Vietnam. He got, you know, he got exposed to Agent Orange, which was a defoliant that was sprayed on crops. And uh, he made it through combat. When he came back home, he he ended up getting cancer and passing away. So when I was a young kid, I always had this fear in the back of my mind, you know, that I was going to follow in his path to an early grave and not be there for my kids. And, uh, I I remember after I got out of the Marine Corps, I started having all these different health issues. So I had high stress, poor sleep, uh, digestive issues. My muscles were wasting away. Um, just a, a slew of issues that were taking place. And then I was diagnosed with celiac disease. So for those who don't know, celiac disease, autoimmune condition, where you're malabsorbing nutrients, because when you ingest gluten, the gluten damaged these tiny little nutrient absorption centers in your small intestine called villi. And they're responsible for absorbing the nutrients from the food you eat. So my villi were being damaged and those nutrients, I still needed them to execute the daily functions I was doing. So my body was going to its greatest mineral reserves, which were my bones. And that is how I was subsequently diagnosed with osteoporosis. And at that point in time, You know, I didn't even, I was kind of nervous about it because when I was told, all I got was a letter in the mail and they said, you have osteoporosis, go on a gluten-free diet. Oh, wait, how old were you at this time? This was right around 30 years old. Yeah. And that's really uncommon. I mean, most, it's very uncommon, I think for men, especially young men to be tested for osteoporosis and for, to test their bone density. Right. And it wasn't even the medical doctors that I was working with that, that tested for that. It was actually a physician's assistant who said, okay, you have celiac disease. You've been malabsorbing nutrients. Has anybody done a bone density scan on you? And I, you know, I was like, no, but we should do one. So we did one. And I was thinking, you know, because I was a tough Marine and all that stuff, it's going to come back just fine. You know, I'll be okay. And it came back and it wasn't. And I was shocked. And, and when I got that letter, I was like, okay, I need a second opinion. I have to really confirm this. So I went, I got a second opinion and they confirmed it was osteoporosis. And I was like, wow. Right. I, I, I just felt like I was going down that same path as my father. Uh, and I had a young daughter, son on the way. And I I was devastated and I was scared. And I, I realized that had to be the impetus for me doing something. So I went down the path of reading and researching and consulting with a lot of people and spend a lot of money trying to figure all this out. And I started getting the right plan in place and I was improving my health and improving my bones. And I realized along the way, it's not the average 30 year old male that's trying to figure this out. It's the woman 50, 60, 70 plus that has osteopenia and osteoporosis. And they're told take calcium, vitamin D, go for a walk. Here's your bone medication. We'll see you in a year for your next bone density scan. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not enough, right? There's so much more to this picture. And uh, that's really the reason why I went, I became a certified health coach. I built out a team of credentialed experts. Uh, We created a program called the Stronger Bone Solution that has now gone on to help people in over 1500 cities around the world, been featured in Forbes and a bunch of other notable places. Uh, And and that's really why I started bonecoach.com is just to help people make it through this. Yeah, I love that because so many people are dealing with this and, you know, your your bones are not just made of calcium. <laughs> it's not that simple. You know, they have like this flexible collagen matrix that needs to be nurtured and they have like they're made of a lot more than just calcium. Um, so talk to us like what exactly is osteopenia and osteoporosis just to really like clarify what that means and what that what looks like and how common is it? And men, yeah. and we talk about it usually in reference to women, but how common is it in men as well? 
Yeah. So even if we're just talking about in the U.S., we've got approximately 10 million Americans that have osteoporosis. You've got about 44 million that have low bone density. One in two women and up to one in four men are going to break a bone in their lifetime due to osteoporosis. And this is a big one here. For women, the incidence of low bone density is greater than that of heart attack, stroke, and breast cancer combined. So that's a pretty big number, right? And then when we're talking about things like hip fracture, every year we've got nearly 300,000 hip fracture patients. And then a lot of people don't regain function after that happens, right? So it is something that has to be addressed. If you find out you have it, I would probably do something about it. And then, and then what is it, right? Osteoporosis literally means porous bone. So it's a condition that's either you, you haven't built up enough bone formation, you've got excessive bone loss, or it's a combination of the two of those things. And in osteoporosis, both your bone density and your bone quality, they're reduced, and that's going to increase your risk of fracture. Now, the way you find out you have osteoporosis is through what's called a DEXA scan. That's dual energy x-ray absorptiometry, bone density test. And it's a painless test, kind of like an x-ray, but very low levels of radiation. Basically, you lay down on a machine, it does a scan, it tells you your bone mineral density, and that's the actual mineral content of your bone. And then what it does, it generates a score. And that score is called a T-score. And the T-score is telling you how much your bone mass differs from the bone mass of an average, healthy, approximately 30-year-old adult. And if you've got a score of plus one or minus one or anywhere in between there, that's considered normal and healthy. If you've got minus one to minus 2.5, that's considered osteopenia, which is like a precursor to osteoporosis. And if you're at negative 2.5 or lower, so negative 2.6, negative 2.7, so on and so forth, that's considered osteoporosis. And the greater that negative number becomes, the more severe the osteoporosis. Now, most people, they're not getting these scans at 30 and 40, but they should, right? Yeah, We're yeah, when, when is the age people should start getting these scans? Right, that, that's probably when I would recommend someone getting them if they can. But if you're listening to this and you're like, well, that's already passed, I, but I still haven't had one, your 50s, 60s, 70s, go get one, right? Find out the objective information, figure out where you're at. If you've got daughters too, or sons too, maybe, you know, sons and things like that with digestive issues or autoimmune disease or something like that, some other contributing underlying health factors, have them go to bone density too. Daughters, you know, for women, we'll talk about the causes of osteoporosis. It's something that you're going to want to be aware of because later in life, when you hit menopause, you can have a, a decline in your bone density at that point in life. So having a baseline earlier on is great because that way you're not surprised by any numbers. You've already got some objective information and you could take some action ahead of time. And, and can you talk a little about that, about what happens in menopause and why women are so vulnerable once they go through that transition, why they have an increased bone loss at that time? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's actually two different types of osteoporosis. There's primary osteoporosis. That's typically related to a decrease in estrogen in postmenopausal women, right? Estrogen has a protective effect on bone. As estrogen levels decrease, as they do during menopause, that causes an increase in the activity level of cells that break down bone. But then there's a whole nother cause of osteoporosis. That's secondary osteoporosis. And that's where it occurs as a result of behaviors, disorders, diseases, medications, and those kinds of things. You know, that's the category I fell into with celiac disease. And that a lot of other people, if they're younger, 30s, 40s, even in their 50s and 60s, I've seen plenty of people that have or had a secondary cause or contributing factor. So some of the more, more common causes and contributing factors, and this is important for people to understand because medications are something that sometimes people are taking, but they don't realize that one of the side effects for things that can happen is bone loss. And one of the biggest ones here is glucocorticoids. This would be your prednisone and your cortisone. And these are steroid medications that are designed to suppress inflammation in the body. And they mimic natural steroid hormones and they're used for things like rheumatoid arthritis or asthma or things like that, that's going to cause and contribute to bone loss. And the reason it does that is because 
it decreases your GI absorption of calcium. It increases your urinary excretion of calcium. So you've got a calcium deficit. And then this is the biggest one. The glucocorticoids are acting directly on the cells that break down bone to extend their lifespan, right? So just be aware if you're considering it or you're on it or you know somebody on it, make sure they know that bone loss is a side effect. And the most severe bone loss is going to take place in the first couple months of use too. Uh, very interesting. Uh, any other, medi other other medications that are problematic? Yeah, SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Those are usually used for antidepressants, but there's been a review of 19 studies on SSRIs on bone that indicate they have a negative effect on bone mineral, mineral density. They're going to increase fracture risk. Here's another big one. PPIs, antacids. I've seen people that take these 10, 20, 30 years even, right? These are drugs that are designed to suppress stomach acid. And this would be your, your omeprazole, your Nexium, your Prevacid, your Ranitidine, your Zantac, those kinds of drugs. <clears throat> and the reason that's a problem and the reason you need stomach acid, and usually when someone's taking these medications, they actually have too little stomach acid to begin with in the first place, right? But if you're suppressing what little stomach acid you do have, you need stomach acid to properly break down and extract nutrients from your food, like amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein and your bones are 50% protein by volume. So you need amino acids, magnesium, calcium, iron, B12, all those nutrients. If you're suppressing that stomach acid, you're going to be starving uh, your body and your bones of those nutrients. So that's interesting. I didn't know that SSRIs were in mm -hmm. the class that uh, that caused bone loss. It's really yep. interesting. Of course, the PPIs are, are obvious, and those are really pr problematic. Um, so, anything else? Like, what are some other causes uh, of osteopenia and osteoporosis? I would say the GI conditions too. Those are a big one. Anything that is contributing to malabsorption of nutrients, that's going to be a problem, right? For me, celiac disease, that was an issue. But Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, those kinds of conditions, that can contribute also. And then autoimmune conditions, anything that's contributing to chronic inflammation that we don't get in check or we don't put those things in a remission, that can contribute to bone loss too. So your rheumatoid arthritis, your lupus, um, any of those other autoimmune conditions, that's something that you're going to have to address. Breast cancer, like a lot of times people take uh, medications for breast cancer that also contribute to bone loss. Prostate cancer for men, if you've had prostate cancer, you take medications, wipes out your testosterone, right? That's also important for, for supporting your bone health. Um, so there, there are quite a few things that can contribute, but those are some of the bigger ones. And then also for somebody listening, if you've got kids and grandkids too, what we need to understand is that 90% of a person's bone mass is put on by the time we turn age 18. And then by the time you turn 30, that remaining approximately 10% fills in. So if when you were younger, you had poor diet and nutrition, if you led a sedentary lifestyle, if you smoked or drank excessively, um, if you had an eating disorder or took certain medications, like I was just talking about, all those things could have prevented you from reaching peak bone mass. So you, we really have to be intentional with these younger generations too, to make sure we're not going to take them down a path that doesn't support a healthy structure. You know, that's like their foundation for life. Yeah. And it's, I think people don't realize that you have like this bank account that it could be, you could start out being depleted before, you know, and you're just going to pay the price later on. I mean, for me, I've never had a DEXA scan. Um, and I, I think maybe because I just feel like I'm not in a risk category. I've always done weight bearing exercise since I was 13. And I've just all, and I know that's really, really important to do that, that resistance training to build bone. And I've always eaten super healthy diet, but you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that can contribute to, to bone loss. So you mentioned the, the standard treatment protocol of mm -hmm. that people get when they go to their conventional medical doctor. What is the problem with that? What is the problem with the, the bone, the bone, you know, preserving drugs that so many women are given? 
Yeah, and this is, if, if you have been told you have osteopenia and osteoporosis, it's not really a matter of if this conversation is going to happen. It's a matter of when. And your medications are going to be brought up, right? And you have to be, you have to know how to make educated and informed decisions in those situations because the medications that are going to be proposed, these bone drugs, it's not like taking an aspirin. They have a dramatic effect on bone physiology. And there are really two different categories of drugs that are osteoporosis medications. You've got anti-resorptives, and these drugs are designed to slow down the activity level of cells that break down bone. So this would be like your bisphosphonates, like Fosamax, right? Most people have heard of Fosamax. Then it could be your rank glycan inhibitors like Prolia, right? These drugs are designed to slow down the activity level of cells that break down bone. Now I'll just talk about, uh, I won't talk about every single medication, but I'll focus on, there are risks and side effects and things like that with, with each of these medications. Uh, but with bisphosphonate specifically, Fosamax, for example, the safety and efficacy of those drugs is not really well known and has not really been studied beyond five years in people, right? So that's important. And then also, as you and I, you, Wendy, you just talked about how you've, you're really active from a young age, right? You exercise a lot. You do all these things. All of us, as we're going about our lives and we're exercising and moving around, we're starting to get these tiny little micro cracks in our bone. That's normal, right? That's supposed to happen. And then what happens is we have cells within the bone that sense that damage and they send out signals. And those signals are saying, hey, communicating to certain cells to come scoop out that damaged bone called the osteoclast. They scoop out that damaged bone. And then the osteoblasts come right in behind and fill in stronger, healthier bone. This is a normal process for every single person. But what happens is when you slow down the activity level of those cells that break down and scoop out that damaged stuff too much, you can start to accumulate those tiny little micro cracks and fractures, that old, worn, damaged, weakened bone over time, right? And I read that, you know, women that are, have been taking Fosamax for quite some time, they're actually at an increased risk of fracturing their, their thigh bone, their femurs. Yeah, that is one atypical fractures of the femur. That is one of the, the potential side effects. And even though it happens in, it doesn't happen in large amounts of people, it's still, it's still the potential, the potential is there, right? Osteonecrosis of the jaw is one. It doesn't happen in everybody, but again, the risk is still there. And osteonecrosis of the jaw, that's where the jawbone, it begins to starve from a lack of blood. So basically you have cells in the jawbone that start to die, right? And then with Fosamax and other bisphosphonates, uh, one of the big ones that I see in, in digestive issues. Uh, so if you've already got digestive issues and then you start taking one of these medications, it's probably not going to make them better. Right? probably going to make them worse. Uh, so that's something to be aware of. And then there are, there's another category of drugs called anabolics and anabolics are designed to build bone, build better quality bone and build it faster. And usually the people that are recommended those medications are people that have really poor quality bone, uh, and they've already fractured multiple times. I've seen situations where people have been recommended and they're not in those categories. Uh, and, and it's really important to understand that when you start a medication like that, you have to follow it with another medication because otherwise you're going to lose all the bone you gained. So you just have to realize you committing to one medication up front, maybe you committing to multiple medications or a lifetime of medication dependence in the future. And so what is the alternative? So what can you do instead of being, you know, on all these medications for, I mean, for an indefinite period of time, because if you stop taking them, you know, you're going to continue with the bone loss if you still have poor lifestyle habits. Well, so the first thing you have to do, and what's probably not going to be done for most people, is when they're at that point of being said, hey, take some calcium, some vitamin D, go for a walk, take a bone drug. What is not usually going to be done is they're not going to say, are you still actively losing bone right now? Because a single bone density scan, that's not going to tell you that, right? So we have to get some more objective information first. And one of the things we can do is we can look at what are called bone turnover markers, and there's a test called the serum CTX, 
CT low peptide test. It's the most sensitive marker for bone resorption, bone breakdown. And what that does, is it looks at the activity level of cells that break down bone. And if that activity level is elevated or even really high, that can be an indicator of active bone loss and a root cause issue that needs to be addressed. The medication will not address a root cause issue. It will affect the activity level of cells that break down bone, right? So that's why it's really important to, if you are actively losing bone, you start to figure out what is the root cause of that loss. That does require more testing, right? You got to figure out what are the contributing factors? What could they be? But then once you do that, uh, you want to get other additional objective information too. Uh, when you get a bone density scan, like I said, you, you understand your bone density, the actual mineral content of your bone. But what that bone density scan does not tell you is bone quality, the structural integrity of that bone, the microarchitecture, how that bone is organized. You don't have the full picture. Most people don't when they're diagnosed. And those two things, bone density, bone quality, combine to create bone strength. So there is something called TBS, trabecular bone score. It's an add-on software to the bone density scan. Not every facility has it, but some of them do. And that, in one scan, you can get a measure of your bone density and a measure of your bone quality. And that's a much better predictor of your fracture risk. And I think people also don't kind of account for flexibility of your bones too, that you need to have strong bones. It's not just taking calcium, but flexible bones where if they bend, they're not going to break. They have a little give and then you need, you know, collagen for that as well. Yep. You've got, it's, it's like a collagen protein matrix upon which those minerals are, are laid and, and embedded and things like that. So you have to have both of those things. I was talking about the importance of protein, right? You have to have, when you're losing bone, it's not like your body's just going in and selectively plucking out the calcium, right? Even though calcium, that's our primary mineral constituent of your bones. It's not just plucking that calcium out though. It's tearing down the whole structure. So it only makes sense then in order to rebuild those bones, you can't just be taking calcium, right? And you can't just take vitamin D. There are other nutrients you have to get. And one of those is protein. You have to have enough protein to rebuild the structure that the minerals are going to be on, right? Super, super important. And so what is the, what is the perfect diet to, to have healthy bones? Well, number one, let's start with a couple things that if you're including them in your diet right now, I would, I would think that most of your listeners have probably already remove sugar. But if you, if you haven't yet, let me put one more nail on that coffin, right? Sugar is critical for your bone health because it triggers an inflammatory response. It lowers your vitamin D levels. It depletes your bone healthy minerals, your calcium, magnesium, chromium, your copper. It inhibits intestinal absorption of calcium and it blocks the absorption of vitamin C. And vitamin C is key for developing and maintaining a healthy skeleton, right? So sugar, really important, you know, and I'm not just talking about the white granulated sugar. I'm talking about breads, cakes, cookies, crackers, pizzas, pastas. You don't have to get everything out right this second, but if you've still got it in, start making some swaps. How can you find some better swaps and alternatives till you, that's no longer an issue, right? Uh, chemicals in your food too. This is a big one. Um, glyphosate roundup, you know, that's a broad spectrum herbicide crop desiccant sprayed on, on and around certain foods. It's also a chelator of minerals in addition to being something that's associated with increased cancer risk. So especially if you're on a budget too, go to the environmental working group, look up the clean 15 and the dirty dozen, figure out what you can eat that's organic, uh, on a budget, right. And what you, what you can eat safely that maybe is not organic. That's, that's going to be a good guide for you to get started with that. Um, so those are some of the biggest things to pull out or make sure you don't have in your diet. Uh, the next things that I would say that you would want to incorporate, and whenever I talk about a diet for osteoporosis, it's not like there's a single framework for every single person, right? We're all biochemically and genetically unique individuals. We're going to respond to different foods and supplements and dietary approaches differently. 
But there are some things that I've seen that work well for most people or that I like to see with most people. One of the first ones is fish, but not just any fish, uh, canned fish, obviously in like a non-BPA liner, but canned fish that has the bones in. So you can get wild sockeye salmon with the bones in, sardines, mackerel, and these aren't hard pokey bones that are gonna hurt your mouth, um, but what they have in them are three really awesome things. First one are minerals and not just like a single mineral like calcium or magnesium. If all the minerals in the right ratios that nature created to help support your own strong, healthy bones, right? So that's a great source that you can eat. Then it has protein. We just talked about how important protein is. Your bones are 50% protein by volume. So not only do we need to be eating more protein to support your bones, you also want to be stimulating muscle protein synthesis to build stronger muscles. Okay. And we'll talk about the connection between those two uh, here in just a minute. And then omega-3s, anything that contributes to inflammation. You heard me talking about this earlier. Long-term, that can contribute to bone loss. Omega-3s in the fish can be the dampeners of inflammation, can help with that. So that's why I really like to incorporate uh, those kind of fish. Another yeah, I, I love uh, sardines with bones in them. Yes. They're just so delicious. And like Vital Choice has the mm -hmm. wild sockeye salmon, different kinds of salmon with the bones in them too. And they're nice. You don't really, like you said, they're not weird and crunchy. And you can make it like a tuna salad almost, like put you uh -huh. know, mayonnaise and onions and almost make it like a tuna fish sandwich. So you just yep. kind of don't, don't see them, <laughs> the bones. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Totally. And, and they're not, the bones almost like melt in your mouth and not that I'm making, I'm not making the case for canned fish right now. Right. No, I'm not saying <laughs> bones melt in your mouth. Oh, yum, yum, so <laughs> but that is a good place to go. Right. Vital choice is a good place um, to get them from. Uh, I think there were some tests that showed at least from a, a heavy metals perspective and things like that, that that's probably one of the best uh, best choices or best bets to go with. Uh, one of the other sources of food that I really like, is arugula. Uh, arugula is a leafy green, same cruciferous family of vegetables as broccoli and kale. It's rich in potassium, folate, vitamin C, vitamin K, and bioavailable calcium. So when you go in the store and you see a three ounce plastic clamshell, no, I don't like the plastic clamshell, but that's what they come in, right? Um, 85 grams of, of that has about 200 milligrams of bioavailable calcium. And you could saute that down into a smaller bunch, or you can just eat it in a salad. And the other reason I like arugula is it, it it's super interesting. There's this bioactive compound in it called aerosin. And aerosin, I just learned this recently, it actually helps turn off osteoclast bone breakdown cell activity, which is pretty awesome. I've already been touting arugula for a couple of years. And then I just learned this recently, that it's got another bioactive compound in it that can support your bones. So that's awesome. And then the other reason I like it is that unlike spinach, which is a common green, a lot of people use for salads. You know, if you're doing this every day, you might want to watch this or, or consider swapping out um, is it's got a lot of oxalates in it. And oxalates are considered an anti-nutrient that can bind up bone healthy minerals like calcium and prevent you from absorbing them. And especially if you're somebody that has kidney stones, arthritis, joint pain, digestive issues, you may have a hard time breaking down and degrading that oxalate. So in those situations, I would consider swapping out some of that spinach for the arugula. So um, that's another um, really good one. I ate some arugula last night. I love it's arugula. Great. I'm growing in my garden right now. I'm really excited. Love it. I'm super and, excited. And it's a bitter, right? It's yes, a bitter. Yes, it's bitter. Food. Yes. It's bitter food. And we need bitters because we our diets nowadays are largely don't have a lot a lot of bitters in them left, right? Coffee is one of those, but arugula is probably one of the only other ones people are are consuming. And you need arugula to stimulate bile production and to, to get that bile. So that's going to help break down your food even more. Right. Yeah. So, and I, yeah, I think that's a key. That's a sign that has calcium. And if it's bitter, like you like purple foods, like radicchio, purple cabbage, things like that, mm -hmm. anything that tastes kind of bitter has, that's the calcium it has magnesium too. A couple other ones real quick that I really like cucumber. 
right? I like cucumber, uh, a great source of vitamin C and potassium, but the skin contains silica and silica is important for mineralizing your bone and maintaining healthy connective tissue. So, and it's an easy one to incorporate, right? You can add it to fruit and veggie trays. You could juice it. You could put it in a smoothie. You could use it as a base for homemade dressings and uh, dips and things like that. So it's really a functional thing that you can incorporate. Uh, blueberries. I like those a lot. Um, those are great. And then vitamin C rich foods. I talked earlier when I was talking about sugar, I talked about the, how important vitamin C is because vitamin C helps stimulate pro collagen. It enhances collagen synthesis and it stimulates something called alkaline phosphatase activity, which is a marker for osteoblast bone building cell formation, which is pretty cool. Right? So vitamin C rich foods are great, going to be great to incorporate. Fantastic. Yeah. And so let's talk about exercise a little bit, because I think that, um, like you mentioned, the, the doctors will recommend go walking or what have you. Um, and I think there's a lot of women that develop osteoporosis. They're, they're not exercising. They're not putting any stress on their bones. So what is the importance of putting stress on bones and exercising? Exercise is super important for your bone health. And the standard recommendation, like I said, does include, hey, just go for a walk, right? I'll tell you right now, if it's just walking, that's probably not going to be enough, right? As walking can help you maintain bone density as long as you don't have an underlying cause, but it's not going to affect every area of your body also. So we need two different types of stimuli to support stronger bones. You need muscle pulling on bone and you need impact. So when that muscle pulls on the bone, you have a mechanical signal that sends a chemical signal to tell those bones to become stronger. And then the impact is, is also going to help with that too. And that's one of the reasons why when I was talking about kids and people younger also that are playing, we want to get them playing sports, soccer, gymnastics, these people that have multi-directional impacts and movements, really short, quick bursts. Those are, that's surprising the bones and that's helping them build a stronger micro architecture and a stronger uh, foundation. So get your kids in those activities and grandkids and things like that. That's a good one. Now, when it comes to everybody else that's doing activities and walking, you're going to hear weight bearing exercise. What, what is weight bearing exercise? That's for your bones and your muscles. They have to work against gravity to keep you upright. So there are things that you're doing on your feet. And when you're doing things on your feet, you're placing a good kind of stress on your bones. So this would be your running, your jogging, your hiking, your dancing, your gardening, um, playing soccer with the kids or the grandkids, high impact exercises, you know, those kinds of things, that's going to be a weight bearing exercise, but it could also be Pilates or yoga or Tai Chi, right? Those are some other things that can be incorporated, but there's also non-weight-bearing exercise. And that's where you're not putting that stress on your bones that you need to. So this would be like cycling or paddling and kayaking or swimming, right? You're not, your bones aren't working against gravity. Your, your body's not to, to uh, you're not placing that stress on your bones. So it's not to say that you should never do those things. If you enjoy them and they make you happy, they reduce your stress, important part of your life, that's great. Do those things, but do not count that as your only form of exercise. Don't get in the pool every day, do a bunch of laps, say, wow, that was a great cardio session. I feel great. Yeah, you probably feel great, but you didn't supply the stimulus that your bones needed. So let's make sure we do that. And, and just another example of this is astronauts that go up into space, right? That don't have, they don't have that stress on their bones they will lose bone density. So they have to actively work to maintain it or lose less, right? So super, super important. Um, then it's like, okay, well, I've got the weight bearing exercise piece down. What's the other part that we need to incorporate? That's where we bring in muscle strengthening and resistance training. And that's, you may, maybe you have resistance bands. Maybe you have, um, maybe you do dumbbells or barbells or something like that but you have to be giving your, your muscles and your bones that stimulus that they need, right? And the intensity, uh, and when I say intensity, like that might sound scary to some people, but 
That's just like the rep range that's shown to be most effective for, for bones is going to be in that five to 10 repetition range, right? So you need to be working with uh, lifting a certain weight or, or that that's providing enough of a stimulus that's going to help you help you build stronger bones. And if you're doing something that is like a hundred repetitions and you're getting done with it and you're like, Oh, okay, that was fine. It's pr you probably don't have enough of a stimulus there. You need to increase the stimulus. Same thing, 50, 50 reps with two pound dumbbells. If that's, if that's a good enough stimulus for you to, for five to 10 reps, great. If you're, if you're strained a little bit for it, good. But if not, you need to increase that. And so you need to be, do you need to be kind of like going to failure within five to 10 reps where it's, it's, there's difficulty in doing those reps? Yeah, there should be some difficulty. And really, uh, some, there's a woman named Dr. Belinda Beck. She's done some research uh, on this and, and she did something called the lift more trial. And they did exercises like deadlifts and squats and chin-ups and with drop landings and uh, overhead presses and things like that. Those can be really effective, but also there are a lot of people that have injuries, right? Or maybe your, your physical fitness level may not be up to that point. That's still okay. We can figure out some modifications. We can make some adjustments, but let's just get you to the point where you're actually able to do some additional exercises to stimulate those muscles and bones. And I had lower back issues for a long time. And so I would, I wasn't able to lift weights. So I would just do Pilates and I was always making sure I did some weight bearing exercise. Cause you can do Pilates, even if you have back problems and lower back problems, you can do gyrotonics and, and I worked my built up my strength and fixed my back issue. And now I can lift weights, uh, no problem. So, you, it, and it took me a year of doing Pilates three times a week before I could felt like comfortable lifting weights. So there's where there's a will, there's a way you can get to where you want to go and build, getting your strength back and building your bones up. That's right. You, and you, we can make modifications, right? There, you can always make modifications to things. And a lot of the people we work with too, um, I would say probably half of the people we work with, they're fit, they're active. They don't have too many health issues. Maybe they feel like they're doing everything right. And they just need some fine tuning and optimizing and things like that. But then we have other people that maybe, maybe they've got scoliosis or spondylolisthesis, or they've already had a fracture, or they've got other conditions that they're navigating or pain in specific areas of their body pain. That's a big one that prevents people from taking the action that they need to take. It doesn't need to prevent you from doing that. Number one, we could probably help improve the pain, but we can probably make some modifications so you can still start providing that stimulus you need. So hey, can you talk about other tools that people can use to build bone like PEMP therapy, which is a pulse electromagnetic uh, fields. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah. PEMF uh, a lot of times. So there's PEMF is one of those. Um, I did an interview with Dr. Pollock and you might've interviewed him too and had a conversation with him. So he talks about PEMF therapy and how effective that can be in certain areas. Now you would have to, uh, in order to support your bones with PEMF, you would have to have a, a, a certain level of uh, gauss. And then also you would have to be laying down on a mat, you know, a certain period of time every single day. So if you're considering or exploring that he would be, he's a great resource to check out for PEMF. Um, in terms of uh, vibration plates, uh, and things like that. That's another big one that I, a lot of people ask me about is vibration plates. And you could have, you've probably heard of power plate and, um, Meridine. Those are some of the other ones. And there's really two types of vibration devices. You have whole body vibration. That's the power plate. That's the Galileo, those kinds of things. And then you have low intensity vibration plates. So that would be like your Juvent and your Meridine whole body vibration plates like power plate, they've been shown to have a small effect on bone density, but they should not be considered a replacement for a good workout routine, right? So it's not like, and I see this a lot. I see people come to me and they've pulled in this, maybe, maybe a complimentary technology. They, do, they just want to lay down on a mat. <laughs> they right. want to lift just weights. want to lay down on the mat. They just want the tool, the, the quick fix or whatever. And I, I got to tell you, like, you have to get the foundational pieces first. And then once you get the foundation, then, you, then branch out to the other modalities that you can bring into your plant. So they can be complements, 
but don't have them be the core plan. Um, so really, really important. And you have to address the root cause issues first, because if you do all of this other stuff and you have a root cause issue under the surface, you're still going to be losing bone or at best, you know, you're going to be maybe staying stable too. Yeah. So that, that was so clear. Like, I just love how you laid everything out and you're very, very thorough in your explanations of everything. It's, it's an amazing interview. I've done several interviews on Bone Health. This is the best one so far. Uh, so th good. thanks. Yeah, so so talk about your plan. So what does like a stronger bone plan look like and, and how can someone go about working with you? Yeah, so uh, there are a couple of really important pieces to this, right? And I touched on this kind of in the beginning. The first part is you have to identify and address those root cause issues that we talked about, right? That's the first part. This means you got to understand, you got to know the right lab test to order. You got to understand what your results mean when you get them back. A lot of times uh, when you get results back, they're, they're in a really wide range. And if you fall anywhere in that wide range, you're normal, right? Normal is not always normal. Normal can still be indicating there's a pattern or a root cause issue that needs to be addressed, but it just might not have been picked up. Or, so or some, some doctors might be like, oh, you don't have osteoporosis yet. It's just the beginning of osteopenia. So let's just keep an eye on it. Is that pretty common? Oh my gosh. I hear that all the time and it just bothers me so much. We, we want to be on the side of prevention and not reaction. We don't want to wait till the point where we've had a fracture or an injury or progressed to osteoporosis, because then what happens? Then your starting point is lower. From, from a bone perspective, it is much easier to slow and stop and prevent more bone loss than to build bone once you lose it. Both are possible. You can build bone strength at any age. It just becomes more challenging the older you get and the more bone you lose. There are fewer cells involved in that process and the process becomes less efficient, right? So you want to be on the side of prevention and not reaction. And I can say this because not only have we helped a lot of people with this, but we work with people that have anywhere from no fractures to five to 10 or more fractures. And I can tell you when you get to the group where you've had five to 10 or more fractures, every single one of those people, every single one says, I wish I would have done something sooner. And that's why I'm telling you, you know, be on the side of prevention. Don't ignore it. Address it. Um, and that's kind of the first step, right? Address the root cause issues. Uh, the second part of this is nourish. You got to restore the raw materials and nutrients that you need for stronger, healthier bones through diet, through digestion, through absorption. You have to make sure you're taking in the right nutrients and the right amounts. That's kind of the first layer. You got to make sure you're actually absorbing those nutrients and whether you have overt digestive issues or not, absorption could still be an issue. And the third layer is, are those nutrients actually making it to the cell level? A lot of times, even if somebody's eating healthy, they might not be hitting layer one. And it's really hard for the rest of those things to line up. And the last part of this is build, right? You have to build strength of body, strength of mind, strength of bone in a way that prevents fracture and injury, not just now. But in the future, you have to reduce your stress. Uh, it's pretty well documented. If you've got high stress, and I'm not talking about the physical threat of a lion. I'm talking about the psychological stress, the fear, the worry, the emotionally charged thoughts, the, the family conflict, the financial challenges, keeping up with the perfect lives of the Joneses on social media, right? All that stuff can contribute to and drive that stress response. So we got to get that stuff in check. Poor sleep. If you're not sleeping well, it's, that's well documented too. It's going to reduce your bone quality and then exercise. You got to get the right plan in place. So that's, that's the full, that's the high level picture. And then what we do is we break those things down into actionable steps that you as the individual can affect the outcome of and making progress in each of those steps. And that's where we support you along the way, making progress in each one of those steps feeds back up into improvement so that your lagging indicator, which is a bone density scan in a year and a half, two years, when you go get another one actually can show improvement. So, and we've got to look, we focus on the leading indicators. What are the leading indicators that give you the best shot of improvement? So the best way to find us, if you, if you know, you need help with osteopenia and osteoporosis, 
Uh, Wendy, and I hope this is okay with you. Maybe we can give your audience access to my free Stronger Bones Masterclass. Uh, if we could link to that in the show notes, that would be super helpful. And that is the best place for every single person to start. If you're listening to this and even a hint of what I said to you, st like stuck out and you're like, okay, I need to learn a little bit more about this or I need help here. Or you know, somebody else who would share this interview with them, get them to listen to it and tell them to start up, sign up for that Stronger Bones Masterclass. And in it, I'm going to walk you through step-by-step the three-step Stronger Bones blueprint and what you need to do to start improving today, right? So you can always find me at bonecoach.com and all the social channels and all that, but start with that free Stronger Bones Masterclass in the show notes. Fantastic. And we'll link to that in the show notes. So you can get that on myersdetox.com. And uh, yeah, and, and also it's, you know, it's never too late to put on some weightlifting gloves and go kick some butt in the gym. Yes. I think there's a there's a lot of benefits besides just bone health. And there's a lot of like, you know, amazing looking women in their 60s and 70s at my gym. I mean, they look fantastic. They're healthy. They're they're firm. They're fit and their their bones are strong. And so if if you haven't started to do that yet, there's so many benefits. Go sign up with a free, uh, you know, usually the first one's free with a lot of trainers. Go get yourself a trainer. Go start doing Pilates. Just do you need to do some strength training. You know, there's no way, there's no way around that. And you need to do that as you get older, for sure. Yeah. yeah well, well, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, that, like I said, that was such a good interview. I mean, there, you like when I have like a question for me, you would like answer it before I even asked it. So <laughs> very, very thorough with all of your, your trains of thought and everything about the medications and the side effects and the diet and all that. So I know you guys got a lot of great tips out there. So go check out the free masterclass link to that in the show. So everyone, I'm I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Thanks for tuning in to the Myers Detox podcast. And every week, it's such a joy to bring all the, the world's experts from around the world to help you upgrade your health because you deserve to feel good. And there's a, you know, so I hope that this show helped give you, you know, one of those missing pieces of the puzzle to, to your health journey. So thanks for tuning in and I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.